Welcome to the Films I Love Most podcast. It's lovely to see you all. We are here doing show about the new Scream movie that came out, well, last month now, but we had a couple of postponements, but we've also been waiting a little while just so that we don't, you know, everyone's had a chance to see it now, so we're not going to give any spoilers away. Absolutely. And if you haven't seen it, well, this is going to be a spoiler-filled um, exploration of Scream 2022. As is that what you have been it? warned? Scream 2022. Mm-hmm. What are we going to call it? Scream 2022. That's a bit yes, of a mouthful. Scream 2022. Yep. Yes. Scream 2022. As opposed yep. to Scream the original, we'll call it the original. So yep. yes. Yep. Okay. So obviously. Scream 6 news has dropped this week that there will be a Scream 6 filming this summer. Okay, so if you think about it, we're in February now, February, March, April, May, June. So maybe four or five months until they start filming Scream 6. Yeah, that's exciting because that's just like the one and two treatment. So I'm, I'm pumped. Yes. So here's my thing. And I think you may have answered my question slightly already. But... Excuse me. Scream 6 is coming so on the back of Scream 2022. And obviously, when the Scream films are released, it's because they had something to say about the horror genre. And Scream 2022 had a lot to say about the modern Scream, uh, modern horror genre, sorry. For example, uh, complicated and textured and metaphysical horror as mm-hmm. like the Babadook, for example. And then, you know, dealt with this horror trope at the moment of you know bringing back franchises with the original title and then having new characters but just then legacy characters introduced so with screen six coming so quickly on the heels of that storyline what storyline or what horror genre trope do you think that screen six could pick up on um well, the sisters themselves like the the stuff they were referencing in this one. And since we're still following these characters, I'm assuming we'll still be dealing with elevated horror and stuff like that. If we're going to deal with horror at all, maybe this new movie, it's not so much about the stab movies. Which, by the way, is not a problem for me. I liked the motive of this last movie. I know there's a lot of discussion about the motive of this last movie, but... That was not one of my complaints at all. Sure. I mean, for me, it just feels like this movie could be coming too quick. And I know you're probably going to disagree with me because obviously we all want more Scream, you know, straight away. But I just think that a new Scream movie sort of needs to wait for the horror genre to to turn a corner so that it has something to parody. I just don't see what they could parody from this. I mean... Obviously, Halloween Kills is a sequel to Halloween, which, you know, was a sort of soft reboot, so to speak. Do you think they could take anything from Halloween Kills in Scream 6? I'm surprised that they did not do that with this new one as as much as they probably could have. So, yeah, they could absolutely tackle that. Or, like, the thing that makes me most excited about Scream 6 would be the fact that I do feel like these directors have the ability now to make their very own movie 
without having to reference so much of the like the originals as far as like when we had our last when we had our last discussion we i think paul brought up that he was afraid of like a scream the star wars force awakens deal that's been a that was a concern of mine too before that podcast we Mm -hmm. recorded then uh you know they don't have to do that in scream six they can really do their own thing now sure i mean we'll go more into it but this um, Scream 2022 was pretty much an undercover exploration of the fan reaction to The Last Jedi. Yes, <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that. They reference it so much, as in yeah. Tom Johnson is the director of Stab 8, the sequel that everybody hates. Yeah, it's basically a Star Wars. It even has Force ghosts. Yes. <laughs> so let's go back we've skipped a little bit let's sort of go back to the beginning now quite a yeah, lot absolutely. was given away in the trailer and and by the way listeners if you want to hear us talk about the trailer i think we did it a couple of months ago we spoke about the first trailer that was released uh, back then and we were speculating about what certain scenes in the trailer could mean so the trailer pretty much opens up with the uh, the first scene of the film with um you know the character in the house the phone call you know what's your favorite scary movie i I loved her reaction when he said what's your favorite scary movie and and tara just goes oh it's the babadook you know i just think it's really clear yeah that was pretty funny i like that too and really good social commentary and then it's almost like ghostface on the end of the phone was like well uh uh, um (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) aren't you supposed to say Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I like that he was disgruntled with her choice. Yes. And I also like the fact that, I mean, let's talk about the mother, like Tara's mother. And um, obviously, we found out a huge secret that the mother was hiding from the family. Um, We didn't see the mother at all in this film. Do you think that was deliberate to bring her in maybe for another installment? I think uh, I think I was listening to the directors say at one point that they that they had her in the original script, but she just didn't make the final cut for the movie. So, yeah, I think she's definitely I think her and the dad will be involved in the next one. Yeah. Yes, sure. I mean, you've got um, obviously Tara and you've got um, Sam who are sisters and Tara is attacked at the beginning. I thought the the first moment that made me sit up in the movie and go, Oh, okay. Is when it, you find out that Tara survived. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. And uh, unique. I liked that. Yeah. Because that was just something completely out of the blue in every other screen film. I mean, you had Drew Barrymore, obviously in the first one, you had uh, the two cinema goers in Scream 2 that did not make it through. And then you had, obviously, um, Cotton Weary in Scream 3. Mm-hmm. And, and well, Scream 4 is just a parody of all the stab films. But, Correct. yeah, I thought it was a really neat start that, you know, we have this girl. She's attacked by Ghostface. You think that's her end and that the mystery is going to be around who killed her. But the mystery is actually about... You know, why was she attacked? Why is she being kept alive? 
One thing about Scream films that always confuse me slightly is that the killers always seem to have an end game with certain characters. For example, the killers in this film have an end game with Sam. They are going to set her up as the killer of the movie. And yet there is an attempt on her life numerous times throughout the film. So do the killers intend to kill her in those earlier attacks? Because this happens in a lot of the screen films. Yeah, the uh, with the I remember talking about the first one a little bit because we did that. We were talking about the 25th anniversary showing, and we I talked about. I think they intended to kill Sydney, uh, and it didn't work out, so they had to kind of ad lib. Haven't had a lot Mm. of time to, I guess, to think about if they meant to kill Sam, and like in the hospital when she's attacked. Maybe maybe that one was just to scare her. Sure. Uh, get her riled up. And that was effective, obviously, because it did. And then, uh, but like when she's at the hospital scene again, when they're both attacked, I mean, maybe Tara was meant to be killed there. Uh, yes, maybe I do think. Maybe they yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I do think in that scene, um, there is meant to be, hey, Dolly Scotty, um, thank you very much. There is meant to be this, um, are you talking about the hospital scene where she's attacked in the canteen or the scene when with Dewey involved? Well, the first one, I think, was the the first one where she sees Billy, I think, was probably more meant to scare her. The second one okay. where Tara was meant to be killed would be with Dewey. Sure. So um, Tara survives, and then that brings Sam into the story. I mean, Wes, who um, is a character blatantly... Uh, there as a red herring in the beginning. A, mm-hmm. he has got a bit of a stew vibe about him. And then there is the fact that he's called Wes. After Wes Craven, yeah. obviously. So, um, and he's the son of, uh, oh, I've forgotten her name. Jude, not Judy. 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 Yeah, Judy. Judy, yes. Judy. So, Sheriff Judy. Judy. Um, yes, yeah, so we sort of go into that, the, the story of that he's calling Sam back. She left years ago because of a family secret that she found out. She's been a bit of a runaway child. She's, uh, you know, taken drugs and stuff and has just become a little bit of a a tearaway. And she's then dragged back into into Woodsboro with her boyfriend, Richie, who, of course, Jack Quaid, son of the Quaid. (laughs) (laughs) The Quaid. The Quaid we discussed. The Quaid. There's great that we discuss. He's just the Quaid. Um, but yes, I mean, and obviously I know uh, Jack Quaid quite a lot because I am a fan of the the Amazon TV series, The Boys. Oh, as um, Yes, that's a great show. So obviously he's very familiar from that. So then they are pulled into Woodsboro, as is um, Dewey at this point as well. They seek him out for help. So the beginnings. The beginning of the movie for me, I, on the first viewing, I did feel like it took quite a while for us to get introduced or reintroduced to the legacy characters. How did you feel about that? Yeah, I mean that's that's a valid point. They it definitely took a while before we got introduced. They definitely went out of their way. Like the beginning was sneakily long. The opening kill because the first time I watched it, I thought that it was it was kind of rushed. 
the second time I was like, okay, this, uh, this Casey Becker homage is a little bit longer than I thought it was. And it didn't mm-hmm. take a while before we got to see Dewey and the familiar Sydney and Gail. And I was actually okay with it. I was very happy with the fact that they went out of their way to establish some new characters that I like. Yes. I mean, the friendship group, you know, it's pretty strong there. There's some very strong comedic elements with with that friendship group. Um, so you had the sister Tamar. relationship was great too. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the scene when uh, Sam imparts her secret to Tara, I found was very effective. And it was literally a close-up the whole time. They didn't cut away from... Um, Melissa Barrera's face. They just stayed, the camera was just there on her the whole time. And, you know, that's a very difficult thing to do because, you know, when you're giving such a, a monologue that is a lot of exposition, but also is going to mean so much to the story and the viewer, you have to portray that scene with incomplete realism. Otherwise, the whole thing falls apart. And I think she did so well seeing the camera was literally half a foot away from her face the whole time. Fair. Yeah, and then the exchange with Tara as well, you know, when she tells her to get out, very charged. Yeah, absolutely. They were just very believable as sisters. They had a, I mean, I have two sisters myself, three sisters myself, and two of them were really close to you know growing up. And then my other sister came along, and they we've all became pretty close. It just it felt really real to me. Yeah, no, definitely. And then obviously we were starting to say about the friendship group. So Amber, um, you've got Wes, and then my personal favourite, Mindy, and then of course Chad, and and um, I mean there's Liv as well. So let's just talk about mm-hmm. the friendship for a moment. So out of the out of the group of um, friends, who who drew you in? Who was your favourite? Let's. Mindy was was fantastic. I mean, we I think everybody is in agreement on that. I uh I did not ex- expect to like Wes so much, and mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't really like the character of Judy in the fourth one. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though I kind of wished harm upon her in the fifth one, I kind of regretted that decision because I liked her the fifth movie, and the scene with Wes and her getting it was actually one of the more well done kill scenes in the last few movies, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I completely agree. Uh, but yeah, I, think... I would say Wes. Wes and Mindy for the new friends. So it was funny because I found that, um, uh, I believe it's Dylan, Dylan Minette, isn't it, who plays Minette, I think, uh, who plays Wes. He's in um, 13 Reasons Why is, is his mm-hmm. uh, big break. But I, I thought he played Wes very understated you know there was nothing grandiose there was nothing sort of panto or comedic necessarily about his character it was very underplayed it was very realistic something that you don't really get to see in modern films let alone a modern slasher film right they definitely did something different uh with his with his character that i really appreciated it and that was the fact that they didn't make him super angsty towards his overprotective mom uh that they he like you could genuinely believe that they had a relationship and even mm-hmm. though she was overprotective like he loved his mom and i thought that was really well done they usually go the route of 
eye rolls and, you know, multiple frustrations with the mother being overprotective. And I, I kind of liked that they made the relationship like a sweet relationship. I thought that was cool. No, I completely, completely agree with you on that. And also there's like the little ritual, like that is probably one of the most heartbreaking scenes because you know that right. he has just been murdered by the killer. But then you have Wes in the house who is carrying on as, as if nothing's happened. He's going, he's getting the plates from the cupboard and putting them, like laying them out on a table, almost like a, a ritual that they've done, you know, many times before. Um, yeah. And then that's really sweet. But then that moment I feel like is slightly undercut. And now when I say that, I'm not saying I don't like it. But what I mean is it's slightly undercut for the opening of the fridge door. Wait, wait, wait. Close the fridge door. Oh, no killer. Open another door. Wait, wait, wait. Close door. Oh, no killer. You know, I think that that trope, even though cleverly used, I just felt like it undermined the emotional tension in that film with the fact that Wes didn't know that his mother just died. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, when and then obviously Wes um, gets it, so to speak, in a way that is very real. You know, he goes towards the front door that is open. He pushes the front door closed. Turns around, the killer's already inside. Boom. <coughs> yep, pretty quick to the point at that point. <laughs> exactly. That's what I would feel about Ghostface in general in this film. He is very quick and very to the point. For example, yeah, he's scary in this one. Yes, I mean the murder of Vince in the car park. I mean when the when the car lights come on and the music plays, obviously the very familiar. Um, song from the first film Nick Cave yeah. song yep. plays yep Red Which Right really Hand annoying. was playing it was well done it was one yeah, of my I seven know. requests I had seven requests for this new movie that was in there excellent oh I want to definitely want to know what the others are but I, I when that song played because um, I've seen the movie three times now the third time I took my sister to watch it and um, when that song played, she leant over to me and went, oh, that's the theme tune to Peaky Blinders. And I was like, oh, no, I didn't know that. No, that is not what it is. It that is, that is not original. what it is. <laughs> it is. I'm glad you got I mean, defensive. It is. it is, but it's not. <laughs> that is the song yep, in good. the original movie. That would be my rebuttal. I mean, in that well sequence. Yeah, exactly. No, it's not. Um, I want to know what you think about that sequence. So we had the sequence of um, the gang of kids are in the... Oh, before we go on to that, uh, what did you think about Chad, um, That which is obviously like Mindy's twin? I mean, he's, he's definitely a spin on the jock who is... I mean, I think it's great that when you're first introduced to him, you think that he's sort of putting a little bit of pressure on Liv to have sex. And then you realise he's not. He's trying to get her to have the Find My Friend app just so that he, he knows where she is at all times. Yeah, that was that was good. He uh, he definitely looked like he was going to be the typical jock, but he had, uh, he, was, he had a little bit of smarts to him, which I appreciated too. He wasn't so easily trusting. <laughs> no, and what I also loved about it was that he was very open to his sister in many ways, as in, like, her sexuality, for example. She, uh, Mindy is the first... LGBTQ plus character in the Scream franchise of which is, you know, 
like blatantly told to us that yes. they are part of the team. Um, and it's never, never even mentioned. It, no one batters an eyelid. Her, Chad as her brother doesn't even have an issue with it when she says that she's going to stay in the house and, you know, try and, you know, get with a girl. He's just like, oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? It's, I love that yeah. fact that he is the jock of the school, but also loves his sister and open-minded. Correct. Yep, that's good. I like that too. Very refreshing. So anything else to say about Chad? Um, I liked the at the at the end where he kind of gives the when they give him the Dewey treatment. That was that was pretty cool. Like I didn't expect him yeah. to be alive at the end. Yeah, he gives the thumbs up. Yep. Bless. Bless. Yeah. yeah we'll no, he was good. He was good. Now, I think it, we would be amiss if we didn't mention the very underused character of Liv who is Chad's girlfriend, who is also part of this friendship group. Like, why do you think that she was so underused? What was her purpose of moving the plot forward? Because to me, she didn't really have one. Her, For me, her purpose to be in this movie was to try and throw you off of Jack Quaid uh, being, being the killer. In my opinion, uh, she was. Very, I thought she did pretty good as a red herring. She was definitely underused. She was. Yeah, that's that can't even be argued. But there are mm. so many characters in this movie, in my opinion. Like you know, because they they keep having to battle this problem of having a legacy cast and a new torch cast. So people are getting the short end of the stick. I mean, even Mindy, who was great, she. I mean, she definitely could have used more screen time. Um, and Liv is also someone that I think you know they could have used more screen time. But I think the reason she wasn't in it as much as she probably maybe originally shot and they cut was because they, they just needed more screen time for some of the other characters, I think. But her purpose was to be the red herring, and I thought she did good at that. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. I think with um, it's slightly different with Mindy in my, impre- in my opinion because she gets the iconic Randy moment. Oh, yeah. Of explaining, yeah, for sure. oh, my God, he's making a requel, you know. Yeah. Sorry about my yep, terrible that... American accent. <laughs> no, you're good. No, that, that scene was cool. I like that part of the movie a lot, too. Sure. So just before that, we have uh, Richie. We have Amber. Uh, sorry, we have Richie. We have um, Sam going to visit Dewey in his hut, in his camper van, or, or his, um, what do they call it? Trailer park. In a trailer park. Trailer, yeah. There you go. Yep, yep. It's mobile and, home. Um, Dewey has fallen so far. Yes. So yes, he did. And it was it was sad. It was sad, but it was also refreshing because I don't want to spend time being like negative towards Scream 4 because I've learned to like a lot of things about it. But one thing that I thought that movie was hard to watch in that movie was his – actually, Dewey was hard to watch in that movie, I thought. But not in five. He was awesome in it. Yes. I think Dewey in four was paint by numbers Dewey. Do you know what I mean? There was nothing new about the character. He was just there to run around to someone to f- f- call and go, yeah. Dewey, the kid is here. Yeah. And then yeah. he'd arrive too late. And then, yeah, they, there was no purpose. No, I agree with that. But in five, I mean, they really used him. And he really, I mean, you can tell he cared about the role because he put a, he put it into it for this movie. And I appreciated that because... It was good. I love 
love, love watching interviews with David Arquette because he's just loving life and he just he's completely different to Dewey. Yeah, he's hilarious. Yes, listening to him talk is interesting. Always interesting. Exactly. And he's got an amazing voice. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's almost like Oh, he's just he's just a very interesting character in real life, but very different to Dewey, and I, that just shows what a great actor he is. You know, hideously yeah, underused his career. But um, so yes, then we have Dewey, and then we have the clan going over to Mindy's house, Mindy and Chad's house, where we are, where we find out that they are the niece and nephew of Randy. Yeah, a lot of family so, ties in this one. Yeah, what did you think about that? Uh, I thought, so Randy is my favorite of all time of Scream characters. So when they've tried to replicate Randy, uh, you know, I've been worried. I actually liked the uh, the kid that tried to be Randy in 4. I thought mm-hmm. he was really good or whatever. But, uh, you know, going into this fifth one, I was worried that, you know, when I was watching it and I, I got this, the Force Awakens vibe going on, I was like, oh, here we go. But Mindy was awesome. She was a great Randy. I think she'd make her uncle proud. <laughs> yeah. And I thought Chad was good. And I thought Chad was good too. I think, I think leaving them both alive for a, a sequel was a good idea. Uh, just, you know, yeah. if anything else, just to have the body count get amped up in the next one. Um, you know, I'm not saying I want them to die. I'm just saying it gives us options. Sure, absolutely. And then, obviously, at the house, we get reintroduced to a character from... I mean, this was probably one of the most surprising cameos from the entire film, but we get reintroduced to Martha. Yes. Uh, Martha's cameo would be... So I have a list of things that this movie nailed, in my opinion, and I have a list of things that they did not so nail. And Martha Mink's cameo was not so well-received for me. But it was nice to see her. I just Explain thought it was really why. silly. Oh, well, she's, uh, you know, her, her children and all of their friends are being hunted and sought out to be killed. And she comes into the living room while former Sheriff Dewey is also there, which means it's a serious matter. And she delivers them cookies and leaves. I thought that was... If my kid was being hunted, I would probably want to be sitting down and very involved with that conversation. I don't know. There's, yeah, that her, her cameo was appreciated to see her, but I just thought it was funny that she was like, you guys have fun. And then she left. <laughs> I just think that that whole sequence is just down to someone who lives in Woodsboro. Oh, well, here, we go here we go again. Fair you enough. Know. Fair enough. Do your uncle proud. And she probably lived with her brother, you know, doing right. this kind of thing all the time. Yep, nope, fair enough. I would love to but see yeah, her I was back to see her. Scream 6 as an actual like character. Me too. What, what would you do if she was the only legacy character? Or well, not even legacy character, but only character from the original trilogy in Scream 6? <laughs> oh man, I think I might be one of the only people on the planet that would like not be super pissed. Like obviously yeah. I would miss seeing... I would miss seeing Gail and Sydney, but I think they would come back too. I'm not saying like six and then they're never again. It's clear that they want to keep going. So if they took a little bit of a sidebar on six, 
I would be okay with that. If they were still in in the storyline somehow, I would still be okay with that. I just, uh, yeah, it'd be good to see Martha Meeks, Meeks come back as a character, not just for two seconds, too. No, I agree. I agree. Um, so, I'm going to set you a task now, Alvin. Explain to me, what is a requel? Oh, man, I don't know. I'm going to fail this subject because <laughs> is, 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 is requel, is this uh, the new explanation for The Force Awakens and Halloween? I mean, so you asked earlier if we've discussed Halloween in the new movies. Maybe this is their way of pointing out the new Halloween, uh, you know, um, timeline and the way they did Star Wars again. Like maybe, yeah. Yeah, I would say that a requel is what The Force Awakens is and what Halloween 2018 is. And what now, sure. apparently, is Scream 2022. And of course, another film that is following on from this trend, which is coming out very shortly, which I hope that you'll come on and do a show with me about this, Alvin, is um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the yeah. trailer for yep. Texas Chainsaw Massacre dropped this week, and it looks pretty much like it's the exact same storyline as Halloween. Yep. I, I caught that too. Yeah. Another. Yeah, no, I would absolutely be. In. Yeah. I'd be, I think that's, I think, uh, I think that's what they'll be doing with a lot of these older horror movies, even slasher movies. We're going to see. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's a second coming. <laughs> They're yeah. making money now. So you're going to start seeing a lot more of them. Uh, that's one absolutely. of the things that impressed me about this movie so much was the fact that it made pretty good money considering you know mid-january was quite a covid spike going on around here in the united states anyway um had it seemed like everyone seemed like everyone had it I'm not saying it was the height of the pandemic by no means at all but i mean it did seem like everyone had covid and uh canada's theaters shut that some of canada theaters shut down and there was talks mm. of there was talks of stuff like that happening in the states too and then some movies got pushed back again and uh, I was getting worried that that was going to affect the new movie financially, but it did not. So no, I think it's up to sort of a hundred and ten, hundred and twenty million at the moment. Yeah, worldwide right now for sure. Worldwide, absolutely, yeah. and no small part, you know, to me and you. <laughs> I, you know, I think we had a lot to do with that. Just kidding. We did. I've seen it three times. How many times have you seen it now? I have seen it twice. I'm jealous because my son is literally going to see it tonight and I am oh. not going to be going with him. So, oh, well, <clears throat> but yeah, I'll be It'll seeing be it again. And... I keep looking for time frames for it to play during the day when, uh, when I have the opportunity to see it and it's always starting oh. at like one thirty or two o'clock and I have to pick my son up from school at three. So it's not going to work yet. Well, I think it's the sixth of Jan- oh, sixth of March. Sorry, uh, don't quote me on that, but I believe it's the sixth of March that it is. Oh, I'm quoting you now. I'm quoting you digitally. <laughs> so it's official. Released, this is an official um, release statement. Yeah, so we can watch it at home from the sixth of March, basically. Can't wait! Yay! So back to the recall thing. Um, for me, a recall is a movie. That doesn't completely ignore the past, but just ignores a lot of elements of the past 
reintroduces new new, new characters with uh, legacy characters playing at least a small part within the story. So, for example, with Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, is in there. Uh, it seems to have forgotten the whole Jamie Lloyd um, storyline from four, five, and six, and and Halloween H two O. So, you know, and obviously it just has the one word title of the original film. So that is a requel. It doesn't completely forget okay. what happened in the past, but it just forgets the bits it doesn't want to remember. <laughs> Okay, okay. They can get on board with that. As long as they don't uh as long as they don't forget about Scream Three, that'll I'll come at somebody. <laughs> sure. I mean we had Martha from Scream Three, so that was that element. That's right. And yep, and he and yep, and he had, was referenced. We had a couple of references in the film to Scream Four. For example, mm-hmm. when Sam says that the last time that it happened in the town was in twenty eleven. That is obviously when Scream Four was released. Yes. And yep, there was a reference had, there. And also, when they are um, watching the YouTube review of Stab 8, if you look in the top right-hand corner at suggested videos, it has um, a, ca- a little caption that says uh, they're talking to the survivor... Oh, what? Oh, I can't remember the character's name. Kirby. Yeah, Kirby Reed. <laughs> Kirby Reed. Yep. Yes, it's an interview with yep. Kirby Reed, survivor of the Woodsboro murders. So that is canon now that Kirby yep. survived Scream Four. Absolutely, and I didn't notice that both times I watched the movie, and someone had to tell me that, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah. That's and catch really that they nice also told me. Yeah, uh, at the bottom of that same deal, they also talk about, is the real Stu Mocker still alive? Is the real Stu still alive? No, that's what it says. Uh, I'm not bringing that up. I'm not trying. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying that, oh, on okay. that same, uh, I'm on that same tab that it says Kirby Reed, survivor of Woodsboro. Like two more slots down, it does have like a video where it says, is, this, is the real life Stu Mocker still alive? That's so cool because obviously yep. there was so much speculation when this film begun that he right. was going to playing a part in it, which he obviously didn't. Yep. Correct. So talking, going back now to Sam's character, and obviously we've just spoken about is do alive. Well, another moment that literally made me sit up and scream, if you excuse the pun, was <laughs> when when um, a certain killer. As in, you know, Billy Loomis just rears his ugly head in the mirror. What on earth was your reaction to that? Uh, that definitely surprised me because they, the marketing for this movie goes so far out of its way to put you on a Stu Mocker trail with the house and everything. When I yeah, when I saw Bo- Billy Loomis, I was I was definitely thrown off. Um, yeah, force force ghost Billy Loomis was definitely not something I expected to see. <laughs> but also you know usually when we get a to use your words force ghost they are pushing the character towards goodness or at least an end goal that will you know purify them he is not in the car when she's driving and she sees him in the mirror he tells her to go and cut some beep ropes yes that that uh that scene was for me could have been the last time we saw him 
and I would have probably yeah. liked that more. Uh, the last two times we see him, like when he's kind of showing her where the gun is, and when he sees her in the window, or when she sees him in the window, thought that was a little weird. We had like cheerleader, cheerleader Billy Loomis. I'm like, good job, kid. Good job, kid. I knew you could yeah. do it. But I did like that the first really two. Me of, that really reminded me of the end of, um, oh, uh, um, oh, Soho, the last. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Last night in Soho. Yep, yep. That really reminds yep, me yep. of that, you know, when she looks in the mirror at the end and she sees, like, the character that's caused her so much ish- problems and issues. She sees her in the end of the mirror. That reminded me of that, except it was like, yep. you know, very much like, well done. Yeah. Yes, at least, definitely. you know, when she looked back at the mirror, it was still uh, Skeet Ulrich and not Hayden Christensen. <laughs> right. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been weird. Absolutely. Yeah, it would have been weird. I'm ob- yep, just kidding, obviously, but couldn't have been much more weird than seeing Billy Loomis at the same time. But yes, it would have been weird. <laughs> so let's go into this a little bit because obviously the reason why I wanted to talk to you, especially about this film, was because I know that you're such a big screen fan. So, okay, stick with me with this. Sure. Billy Loomis, his motive in the first screen movie, or at least one of his motives was that Sydney's father was having an affair with Sydney's mother, and therefore that made Billy's mother leave. Yes. So Billy was having an affair with Sam's mother, which when Sam's father found out, made him leave. So what I'm basically saying is, for that motive, Billy has no moral high ground anymore. Uh, yeah, very, very valid point. Um, yeah, they, uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> Billy is now officially a bad guy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he basically did. It was up in the air, Sam. Keith. <laughs> <laughs> he basically did to Sam what Sydney's mum did to him. Yeah, I never put that together until you just said that. That's that's actually very clever mm. and very wrong. Naughty Billy. Very wrong. (laughs) So I've got I've got a couple more of those as well. So the film progresses. uh, We have a fantastic, and I probably think it's my favourite scene of the movie. Actually, the scene when um, Judy and Wes have just been murdered, and then we see the police officer, Deputy uh, Vincent, and Sam says, "Well, if you're here, who is?" guarding my sister at the hospital and then they go to the hospital and i mean let's talk about that sequence i absolutely there's so much in there that is literally a big massive red arrow going hello hello uh richie is the killer richie's the killer oh, yeah <laughs> oh yeah, the, fir- the, the very first time I watched that scene too, I uh, I even I definitely caught it with when he's when they're walking when they're running to the elevator and he keeps looking back at yeah. Ghostface on the ground. He's he's absolutely shocked and thrown off. Like you can see that he's shook, and not because Ghostface is chasing them, but because Dewey just unloaded four bullets into his partner 
So upon a second viewing, some people probably noticed that, but I definitely noticed that part. And was that, you know, that's definitely, you know, not calling myself a genius, but that's definitely when I was starting to accept. And I didn't want to accept, but that's when I started to accept that Richie was definitely involved with the killing. Sure. No, definitely. And I think that's such a genius scene when he's looking around and, you know, like you said, it's, it is such a giveaway. And also the fact that, you know, I think what throws you from that scene, which is really clever, actually, and very clever of, well, let's just throw her in here now. Amber, who is the second killer, um, she gives Sam the choice on the or killing her sister Tara, which I think, mm. which I, th- which I think was really good way of sort of throwing you off the, the scent of Richie. Yeah, no, very. Yep, that makes sense. That would uh, that was that was probably what started me. Like, even though I was suspecting Richie, that also made me believe that he was. I just didn't want him to be the killer. Yeah, no, I know what you mean, definitely. And then obviously, but he was a great other... killer. That's not a complaint, by the way. I, he did awesome. <laughs> <I was> just... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're definitely coming to that. We're definitely going to talk about in his final act performance, yeah. which I thought was amazing. So we have. Yeah. Um, a tragic sequence here because obviously we lose Deputy Dewey. What I mean, I love the fact that he went to go back because he's like, oh no, you're supposed to shoot them in the head. I forgot. Which is so adorable if you think about it. You know, he's never, he's never been that person to finally put down the killer. He's always been stabbed beforehand or, you know, been in a different situation where he's never been the one you know, to stand over the killer and finally put the end to it. And this is his moment to do that. And he almost seems proud to do it. But then he just is distracted for that split second. Yeah. What did yeah, you think that, of that dreaded sequence? phone call. Um, that was a gut punch for sure. Um, <laughs> generally, yeah, I, so like you, I mean, as you know, these movies are very close to me. And I've, um, I'm never one to shy away from getting into my feelings about movies. My wife laughs at me. I teared up during the end of Scrubs. Uh, <laughs> Doctor Who has made me tear up a little bit at times. Things, <laughs> things have been known to do that before. And uh, it did not happen with Dewey, but that's only because I experienced some real-life tragedy in January, and I don't think I could cry anymore over a- a- anything at that moment. But, uh, but I... Uh, but yeah, no, that scene was really well done as far as the impact Dewey's death had um, at that moment. The way they did it, I mean, it was brutal. Um, the thing that I liked about it was that the uh, you, later on you see the gun, Dewey's gun is brought back at the end of the movie as well. Mm-hmm. Amber is Amber is holding his gun, so it like all comes pretty full circle there. I have some complaints with Dewey's death. <laughs> about sure. the weight it carries post death um because I, I i really felt like that death should have carried a lot of weight post him dying but like the way they killed him was actually really cool i don't i don't have any complaints over amber being the one that killed it killed him i see a lot of people upset because it's you know a teenager got the best of dewey and she got a jump on him and i think it's unfair to also say that she lifted him because I don't, I've watched that scene multiple times. There's no lifting. I mean, she. There was. No I mean, it's brutal. There was no lifting. Uh, and it, you know, any complaints 
I would have about her doing that. I'd have the same complaints if it was Richie too. Neither of them are built in stature. So, um, but if but you have they the didn't... element of surprise like she has. Yes. You know? Yes. And she got him in the front and then in the back and there was no lifting. It, it wasn't a problem the way they killed Dewey there, in my opinion. It was just the weight after his death that I was kind of like hoping for a little bit more weight. But yeah, the cool. hospital, I mean, it was shot well. Well, it was shot very well. The, um, just the slow motion, the ghost face, like, you know, his, the movements, it was just, it was, it was good. It was, it was really good and terrible at the same time. <laughs> yeah. No, I completely get that. Obviously, what, what did you think about it? A bit about, well, the way that Ghostface moved in that sequence really got me. There's a bit, there's it, a couple of times in the movie where I, I suppose you could describe it as Ghostface rearing up, you know, oh, rising yeah. up into full yes. stature. And like seeing that iconic silhouette there, uh, ready to you know unleash hell on on the others, it's such a satisfying moment because the ghost face mask and costume is so simplistic, but at the same time so effective because there's oh, nothing very. you cannot read it. The only thing that you can read from those movements is absolute power. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I'm glad that you brought. I'm glad that you brought up his rising up stuff because, and 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 the things that they got right, they got Ghostface's movements completely right in this movie for sure. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree with that. And obviously, with Dewey's death, I thought it was really effective, and it was really sad. And I can definitely see your uh, reasoning for, you know, not quite liking the way that it's handled in later scenes or the impact that it has on the rest of the plot. I do think that if in Scream 6 we are introduced to any of the legacy characters again, that could be something that, you know, right. could play a part. Can I you say know, something else about his death as well? Yeah, sure. Okay. I I also wish that this would have been so you got the beginning of the movie where no one actually died, which was, uh, you know, a, a different touch, which we appreciated. But I was also hoping that Dewey got well, which what we know right now. I wish Dewey would have killed Amber as he died as well, because mm-hmm. I think Dewey deserved to get at least one of them. You know, sure. it's Dewey he deserved to get one of them. And it's something we've never seen done. We've never seen them kill a ghost face mid movie and then like, you know, uh, you know, unmask the ghost face and be like, Oh my God, it's, you know, it's Amber. Why would she be doing this? Then they start to feel safe that they got her. They could have used that for more of a believable way to get to the party. Um, afterwards. Yeah, I would have like gone ahead. Yeah, well, yeah, clearly the parties always go ahead, no matter who dies in these movies. They always seem to still <laughs> all hang out together. So, I mean, I just, I, th- I think Dewey deserved to get at least one of them on his way out. I had no problem with him dying. I just, I think he deserved to get one of them on his way out. That's true. That's true. Can we just very quickly talk about the YouTube video that we mentioned earlier of Scrab, of Stab 8, sorry. What the hell oh, yeah. is going on in that video? Can you explain it to me? Because all I can see is a chrome ghost face with a flamethrower. All you can see is a chromed Matthew Lillard with a flamethrower. Uh, Did you know that? 
No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently, he's uh, he's the one behind that. Like, it's again, it's not Stu being in the movie or anything, but apparently, Matthew Lillard was the person behind that mask in that part or whatever. But yeah, I'm really glad that was part of the stab stuff and not part of the real movie. Yeah, that's cool. But what was going on? What was, in your opinion, what was Stab Eight about? Um, maybe it was like a stab mixed with the movie Backdraft and Ghostface was going around <laughs> starting fires instead of stabbing people. Yeah, uh, it also looked that's... like the, it looked like he was wearing like a leather jacket as well. Yeah, it was so weird. It was very weird, and again, I'm I'm very grateful that that was a stab thing and not <laughs> not yes. actually part of the movie. Yeah, I, I can definitely see why Amber and Richie had such an issue with Stab 8 from the minimal scenes that I saw of it in the YouTube video. 100%. Awful. Terrible. I'm not saying, like, I totally get it, but, like, Richie, I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely. So we've got uh, Dewey dead, and then we have Sydney coming back to mourn her friend and to show support to Gail. So do you want to talk about um, Gail and Sydney? How did you feel that those characters' reintroductions were handled, and did you like their characters in this, or did you like the way that they were able to interact with the newer cast? Um, I thought they did a very good job interacting with the new cast when they had their moments together. They didn't have a lot of moments together, but uh, as far as the cast and the legacy cast, but I thought they did a good job of interacting with the new, the new group and the scene that directly follows Dewey's death with, uh, with Nev and uh, Courtney there. I really thought they, they, they crushed that scene because I don't. I still think there needed to be more weight carried with the death, but that that was a touching scene. Those two talking, uh, sure, in the, in the hospital lobby, and uh, that was the closest I probably did come to tears. I mean, my eyes were red, but I mean, I wasn't like, you know, that was the closest. Yeah. I came to probably was that 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 spot right there. I feel like the the characters, you, you know, they they got them spot on. They were definitely more realistic than they'd been in any installment since Scream 3, there was definitely this element of, you know, um, the weight of the world, you know, world-worthy, you know, you you just felt like that they, the toll of what had happened to them previously was starting to catch up a little bit, and you know, we've got Sydney who is obviously now with um, Kincaid. Yes. 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 She's, yes. She's asked a few times about her husband, and it's obviously the cop from Scream Three. Yes. And if it's not Mark Kincaid, I will be pissed. <laughs> yes. Maybe we'll get some Mark Kincaid in Scream Six. Who knows? Fingers crossed. <laughs> I personally love them on screen together. I mean, you know, it, it's so nice to see them playing characters that you know, have been through this. And I know that they've, they've played that before in Scream 3 and 4, but it, I just found it much more believable this time round. And I loved Sydney's interaction with Sam. You know, like, I've been through this before. You know, you need to, like, listen to me. And Sam being 
pretty much much like what Sydney was, you know, like I can do this. I can handle this by yep. myself. Yep. So we got a little bit of sassy Gale. Yes. Love that. Love sassy Gale. We're definitely going to talk about that. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? So, um, obviously there's some subplots of Tara, you know, losing her asthma pump and all of this malarkey going on, but then it all ends up at the house. So, obviously we knew it was the house from the trailer. I do think that if we hadn't known that, it would have been a bit more of a reveal. Yeah. I think yeah, the trailer absolutely. did a bit of a misjustice there by letting that one out. In more ways than one, if 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 I want to get real about it, they uh, I feel like they revealed quite a bit in that movie. So it makes me really hesitant to trust Hollywood anymore when they say things because they said that this trailer was like a huge misdirect and don't worry about it, you know, yada yada yada. But you know, they literally just completely telegraphed Dewey's death <laughs> mm-hmm. and the whole Stu Mocker twist, you know, the house and stuff like that. Yeah, it was the marketing was out of this world fun and exceptional. Uh, one of the reasons this movie made money. But as far as like, yeah, you're right. It would have been much more effective if uh, if we didn't know it was his house. And I also think it would have been much more effective on Dewey's death if we didn't have a walking trailer for his death. Well, yes. I mean, if anyone has seen the trailer, you'll know there's a sequence where sort of um, Gail is like running towards the police cordon screaming. And obviously there's only one way or one reason why she would be doing that is if someone right. close to her would have died. So, yeah, right. that was wrong. That was very wrong on the marketing side. I definitely believe of that as well. So we're at the house. Um my favourite character in this moment is probably uh, Mindy, just slouched out on the couch, watching Stab. <laughs> watching Stab, really fingering, uh, like, you know, finger pointing at who she thinks is going to be the killer. <laughs> yeah. I thought that sequence was so fun. And um, Yeah. Sorry, I was just drinking some water. Um, what I think is, was really fun about that was, I mean, obviously... The, the fun thing about Scream is it's meta elements. Um, everybody loves that, you know, you know, yeah. talking about the rules of a scary movie whilst in a scary movie, not thinking you're in a movie, you know, that's what made Scream so revolutionary in its time. But to have Mindy on the sofa watching her, her, I mean, it's weird anyway, because you've got Randy who was played, by Jamie, oh, surnames eluded me. Yeah, Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy, yes, yep. in the original film, who's look, who's watching Halloween going, Jamie, Jamie, look behind you. So that's meta in itself, because the yep. actor who's called Jamie is saying, Jamie, look behind you, as Ghostface rears up behind him. But then you have yep. the other element of Mindy watching that in Stab, whilst Ghostface, <laughs> Ghostface is rearing up behind her. It's yep. so many like fantastic layers there for the fans to to dissect. Yeah, there was uh I'm sure the whole theater was full of smiles during that scene. Yeah, but also as well, it didn't go too far to the fact where, you know, it was playing scenes that 
oh, you will only get this if you're a fan. You know, that scene works yep. for someone who hasn't seen Scream. Yep, yep, absolutely. Because, you know, it, it plays for an audience member who hasn't seen Scream. It plays exactly the same for an audience member that has seen the original Scream but not seen the new one. You know, in that scene with, you know, um, Jamie Kennedy going, but, you know, look behind you, Jamie. It's exactly the same sequence, just with an extra layer. I think it was absolute genius and definitely one of my standout moments. Yes, I agree with that. And apparently it is a thing for people to go see this new movie without seeing any of the other ones. Because my son's friend, who's going with him tonight, she has not seen the first movie. And I was, mm. and I heard that today for the first time and was like, what is going on? I called her mom immediately. I was like, what are you doing <laughs> sending your daughter? To see this movie without seeing the first one, I was like, "You guys, this movie doesn't start till seven. I expect you to order it immediately after school." <laughs> I was like, "You no. need to at least watch the first movie. Do not do this." That is very odd to go and see this film without seeing the original because there is so many in jokes and moments of, you know, nods and and winks towards the original movie that you will enjoy yeah. so much more if you have seen it. And um, <laughs> not to mention, it just ruins the first one if you haven't seen it. Like, I mean, it's such a mind blowing ending with the first movie. Not that I'm biased there at all, but yeah. to have that ruined for you is that kind of sucks. It makes me angry. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it definitely shows you who the killer is. Yes. Um, so we have this sort of meta thing going on of, you know, her watching Stab and then Stab actually happening in the house. And then we, uh, we get the the killer reveal, reveal and the, the reasoning behind it. Now, another one of my favorite sequences was when um, Amber's revealed, she shoots, I mean, Liv, who, I'm not being funny, <laughs> was, I bet the actress was like, well, that's my two days done. On this right. <laughs> and then, yes. you have, um, then you have this scene where there's sort of a little bit of a chase around, but then Amber goes outside and is like crying and and um, Sydney and Gail are approaching the house and then Sydney goes in alone because Gail is shot. I love it when Sydney's just walking around the house. She is cool as a cucumber. Not even scared. Not not even raising up, just shooting through the door. Oh, um, oh I've seen this movie before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I love the bit when she says, I mean, you must be the, the strangest one of all. I mean, the same house. Right. I yep. love that line. I love how uh, she was like, I'm bored with this movie. <laughs> yeah. But it's not only that, it's it's Nev Campbell's um, performance. It's understated. It's clever. Yeah. It's knowing. And I think she absolutely nails um, older Sydney in this movie i absolutely loved it her performance in that in that sequence and when she then shoots richie and she's like i did tell you to come out yep yep. i like his reaction too and he's like oh it's ghostface (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean he's he's really acting the part in his own movie bless him yes yeah yeah, that was was... (laughs) and then we get the reveal obviously that richie is the is the final killer so, in your perspective, um, their motive. 
I can, my perspective, I actually, so like I said earlier, I had like seven things I wanted accomplished in this movie. And one of my things was I didn't want the motive to revolve around Sidney Prescott. I, not that I, you know, I wanted it to be a different kind of motive, either about somebody else or something different entirely. And even though the past was very relevant in this movie, the motive was, you know, a crazed stab fan, which a lot of people didn't really appreciate. They thought it was, you know, I, I can maybe admit it might be one of the weakest motives in the series, but I still loved it. And I actually loved the way it was presented because I am so passionate about these movies as we discussed. And when I say things like Richie, I feel you like, I kind of feel you like I can't, uh, I can't go down the crazy road that you're going, but <laughs> like I get, I get how uh, important these movies can be to people because they've been important to me for a long time. And uh, you know, when, when movies and Hollywood continues to like, you know, make the same mistakes of the past, sometimes it gets very frustrating. So I, I really like the motive in the movie. I completely agree. And I think that, you know, the motive of, you know, Hollywood has no original ideas. We're going to do this because, you know, come on, everybody knows that, you know, the best movies are based on real events. That line went right. Sent shiver right through me. Richie delivers the best line in the entire movie, in my opinion. And that is when he is revealed because like I said, during the whole movie, I was like, man, I don't want it to be him. He's awesome. Like he was, he played a very good, lovable boyfriend and he also did crush the the killer part. But like when he says, when he reveals himself and says, I know it's a bummer, it's me. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really is a bummer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, that's, he's just voicing what the actors, oh, sorry, what the um, characters are feeling. You know, yes, it right. is a bummer. It's you. And um, well, I feel like he was talking to us too, you know, like he wasn't just talking to Sam. Like I really felt like he was talking to the audience. Yeah. He delivers that line. He's doing some kind of funny games thing where he's just looking directly at us. That would have fitted more, I think. Yeah, that would have been funny. I know, I know it's a bummer. It's me, guys. I'm so sorry. But anyway, where was I? <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Fantastic. He, uh... So... We basically find out the motive is that these fans of the Stab movies hated Stab 8, the most, the more recent uh, installment, and decided to bring it back to its roots, to bring it back to what they believe the movies were all about. And they wanted to make a their own very Stab requel. Yep. And the way they were going to do this was obviously... We found out that Sam was Billy Loomis's daughter and they were going to frame her to be the killer because they thought that would be the perfect ending. And also something that Amber says, um, I'm quite interested to, to know your opinion on. She says that mm -hmm. every movie franchise has a villain, Jason, Michael, but the Stab films don't. It's different every time. So they're trying to create their own you know, villain, which is going to last not just the one movie. Do you think that that could be something that could play into into six? I was hoping one of the villains made it out of this movie, and uh, and we had to wait, you know, to to unmask one in the next. But so they were so dead set on making sure they had a really good Scream Five, and I get that they didn't want to get too ahead of themselves. 
Um, yeah. I don't know. I hope so. I hope in six that there's some, some like there's, I know scream is different than the other franchises and that's what makes it scream, but it would be nice to follow a killer to another movie as well. Uh, that's one of the reasons I have so many problems with four is that I really wanted Jill to get away with it because I thought that would have been awesome. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, well, no, maybe, think- maybe in six. Maybe in six we get a killer that, you know, translate goes to the next movie as well. It's possible. Sure, but also you have to think as well that if five hadn't been as successful, they would have needed a story that would have a period at the end. You know. Yes. Yeah. No, I understood why they did it. I get it. Yep. Because leaving it open to a sixth installment, and then maybe in ten years' time, someone wants to pick it up. If they're going to have to pick right. up the elements I left behind from a film a decade previously, I'd be like, no, I'm forgetting about it. Right. Yep. Nope. I get that. I just that think they could have. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that would have annoyed people even more, I think. Yep. Nope. Absolutely. No, I understood the priority yeah. was making a good Scream 5, and overall they did that. So, So yeah, motive. Obviously, the whole thing about uh, making the perfect movie for Scream fans. But then going into six, oh, we were saying about the killer, you know. Yes. The killer going yep. into screen six. I just think that it wouldn't work having elements left over from a from a requel just in case there was that possibility of not continuing with the film franchise. Yeah, overall, I understood what they did. Like, I get it. The priority was making a good screen five, and they did that, so... Yes, I understand why they did that route. So you said that there were elements, uh, six elements that you wanted to see in the three movies. So six elements that you wanted to see. Can you remember what the six were and how many did you tick off? There were seven. Uh, Oh, seven. Number one. Yep. The number one was I wanted to make sure I my request was that the dead stay dead. And for that was my first my first thing that I wanted. And overall, they did get that right. Billy Loomis was dead, but you know he reappeared. So <laughs> you know they get a pass there. He was dead. Kirby Reed would be the only character I would have been okay with not being dead, only because Wes Craven himself said it, and uh, that he wanted her to come back. And if you watch that scene, like you know she stabbed in the hand, it could have lessened the blow to the stomach. That's really the only one that I could have handled. And so, so they did complete my um, request of making sure most of the dead stayed dead. Uh, Number two was I wanted to make sure that all the main characters were up for grabs as far as being killed. I didn't want them to feel invincible. You know, Dewey died. So I got my wish there. Yeah. Number three was number three was that I wanted the motive to have nothing to do with the past. We kind of talked briefly about that earlier. I wanted uh, I wanted like you know in the, in the third in the third movie Randy does that little video where he's like you know the past always comes back. I thought yeah. this was a good opportunity. I thought this was a good opportunity to write a new rule, which was that you know the the past isn't always at play kind of deal, just something different or whatever. So yeah, I kind of got my wish on that because it was more about stab eight than anything else. Yeah. Um, number four was I wanted to see red right hand, and I got that. Yeah. 
Um, number five was I did not want a Star Wars The Force Awakens movie. They did not really. They didn't. They uh they kind of dropped it on that a little bit because it did feel like that for me. Uh, but I'm not like you know super. I'm not losing sleep over it. Uh, number six was <laughs> I wanted shit. I wanted Judy to get to get killed, but you know. I reap what I sow there because I was uh, I was devastated. <laughs> I ended up liking her character yes. and her son, so I got what I requested, but at what cost, Keith? And then be careful um, what you wish for. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And number seven was <laughs> I wanted them to put Samara Weaving in this movie, and they did not do that. But they're making a sixth one, so maybe they will. Sorry, say that again. The last one. Uh, my, the number seven was I wanted them to put Samara Weaving in this movie, the girl from their other movie, the, the director's other movie that they did, Ready or Not. Oh, and I yeah. know that I know they wanted her in it, but scheduling was a conflict, so she had to be she had to be a no on it, even though she was originally intended to be in it. Uh, so I'm really hoping they put her in six. She has the best scream in the business. Yeah, she crushed it in Ready or Not. And uh, and actually, anything I saw her in a few things. I saw that movie. I think it's called Mayhem that she's in with Stephen Yen from The Walking Dead. Yes. Uh, yep. And My introduction. No, anything to her that was. Yeah. Ash versus the Evil Dead. That was oh, see, and I haven't watched that show. I, I actually, I've seen the movies, but I have not watched that show. Yeah, she's in the first season. She's in the first season. Okay. She's brilliant. Yeah, I believe really it because she's been good in everything that I've watched her in. So. I'm hoping she's she, good. I'm hoping she's in six, and I mm. I think that they have opportunity to bring her in because they have a lot of cast members to fill out now for a new movie. You got a new. They got to they got to have a new sheriff, a new deputy. Uh, they got to have, you know, they could they could even have you know Vince was technically Stu's nephew. Yes. So, uh, yep. So maybe maybe uh, maybe Vince has a sister. That would be about the right age. Because she's about thirty, and that's what that kid's playing in that movie. So there's there's opportunity for them to bring her into the movie. Definitely. Now then, I've got I had a little theory. Okay, so my theory was, <clears throat> as it was coming nearer to the end of the film, the first time I watched it, mm-hmm. I was thinking, okay, who could the killer be? And I did honestly believe at one point that it was Sydney. I thought they were going to do a flashback to the sequence when she's running with the pram. And I thought that we were going to have a pan round of the camera and there was not going to be a child in the pram. I thought, Sydney's bonkers. Something's happened. She's completely lost it. And she's taking revenge on the, the families of the people that started this in the first place. That was that would have been going through. That would have been really bonkers. And that would have been... That would have actually made sense as far as I, I'm not saying I would have loved it. I'm saying that would have made sense as far as all the conversation about elevated horror and like the psychological horror stuff. Yeah, it would have it would fall it would have it would have fell very much in line with that approach. Yeah, yeah, no good. My other theory was that it was going to play out like it did. So Amber and Richie were the killers, and then the credits roll. And then we get a mid-credit sequence. Are you ready for this? Yeah. So it starts off at the end of a row of cells. And it slowly pans 
through each cell with each inmate in it. You know, a bit like Silence of the Lambs. We're going mm-hmm. past each cell and each cell's got a really disgruntled cellmate in it. And then we stop and there's a guy sitting there with his head down and he gets uh, the cell door suddenly opens and the guard says, you got a phone call. And he stands up and he walks out and then he grabs the phone, puts it to his ear. The camera pans out and it's Stu. And <laughs> obviously, the, obviously he's told on the phone that Amber and Richie's attempt at what they were doing has failed. And he just looks directly in the camera and just says, amateurs. That and that's a great line for Stu. <laughs> it's a great line for Stu. Slightly hypocritical because he didn't succeed either. But yes, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that would have been that would have been funny and and also I, I mean that would have got a huge reaction in the theater. If Stu is at the end of that movie. Um, yeah, just in prison. I think like and obviously you know they could have been like maybe we could have panned around his sell a little bit and we could have seen some maybe some correspondence from Amber or correspondence from Richie. Maybe they were like pen pals. You yeah. Know? Yep. No, yep. Yep. That's uh, you know, that would be them keeping in line with some of the original plot lines of the third movie that they originally had displayed. Because that was part of their original plot line. Oh, uh, tell me a bit more to... about that. Uh, originally, originally, Stu Mocker was supposed to be the killer in three, and he was supposed to be, uh, you know, harnessing a cult of of ghost faces, basically. And he was supposed to be the puppeteer, and uh, that's that's the way they wanted to do three originally. But when Columbine happened, they changed direction on that very quickly because the studio didn't want uh, a bunch of kids being killers, so they changed direction on that. Then Kevin Williamson ended up using that nugget. plot line. Yeah, he ended up using that plot line in the TV show The Following instead. <laughs> yes, but, he did. Yeah, they uh, they would they would. Yeah, I mean, I actually do have a feeling now that they're announcing Scream Six so fast. And if you wa- I watched a lot of the marketing for Five, and you know, I was surprised to see Billy Loomis in the movie, but I probably shouldn't have been because Ski Ulrich did a whole lot of like talking about scream and scream five him and Matthew Lillard did a, a few talk show interviews together. Um, and they had some interviews where they talked about their characters, whether or not they're dead and stuff. And sure. uh, Matthew Lillard, Matthew Lillard clearly wants to be in these movies. He is very adamant that his character is still alive and uh, he definitely wants to be a part of it. And I feel like the new directors you know they they gave this shot to Bill uh, to Skeet Ulrich. Yeah, and I feel like they're gonna. I feel like they're gonna feel obligated now to to give Stu some some love. So it's possible you get your wish, but in some way in the next one. I mean, I just think it would be such a waste if they don't. And also, like, you can survive being electrocuted by a TV on your head, can't you? That. That's what Matthew Lillard says. I tend to disagree. <laughs> I disagree with this. Uh, I think it's very cool that we can both have two different opinions on the return of Stu. Uh, I, th- I think it's just too much. 
right? The return of Stu, they could because they're going to need to have something clever with Scream Six. Um, yes. the, the Stu redo. I don't know. Oh God, it's going to be Scream Kills, isn't it? <laughs> it could be. Scream Land. But yeah, I just think, I just think if if Stu came back after five movies later. That would just be that for me. That's a bit of a stretch, but I understand the desire for it. I understand, I understand why people want to see it. I yeah. just, uh, I feel differently, and that's okay. No, that is definitely okay. Definitely yeah. okay. I mean, how would you feel if, um, if in Scream Six, Mickey was <laughs> Mickey came back? Uh, anytime I get to see Timothy Oliphant, I'm fine. He's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, the, I the rule one for me was I wanted the dead to stay dead. Yes. If I'm resurrecting somebody, it's Randy for crying out loud. But I don't yeah. want him to be alive either. He's dead. He's stabbed like fifty times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm very, very, very intrigued. I'm actually more intrigued by Scream Six than I was by Scream Five. Because Scream uh, you, 5, you and me I both, like they, they definitely had somewhere to go with Scream Five. They had so much to draw on, but with Scream Six, it's it is almost like, you know, a fresh a canvas, whole new chapter. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, a blank canvas. They have a blank canvas with six, six, the sixth one, and I'm very excited about that. As I, as I've made it abundantly clear, I'm really happy for them to do something completely different. I'm not yeah, afraid. I mean, of... I literally, I literally got home from work, looked on the internet, saw the news, went to message you, and you'd already messaged me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, I just need Alvin can just be my my news reporter on anything Scream. I uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can fill in on that. I, I follow it pretty closely. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I think we've covered all bases here. I think yeah. how many go how many ghost face masks out of five would you give this movie out of curiosity? If I were to do ghost faces for this one, I feel like I'd have to have time to do ghost faces for the other ones first to do this to do it right. But I would say probably <laughs> I'll say three and a half off the top of my off the top of my head. Three and a half out of five. Ooh. And that's Ooh, not that's trying good. to sound mean or negative. That's just me saying that it was a very enjoyable movie, but I also had a yeah. few complaints. Sure. I would give it a solid four. Definitely. Okay. That's fair too. Yep. Um, I think I probably had a few a lesser complaints about the um about some of the things. I think that the killer reveal was on my first viewing a little bit like, uh, okay. But on my second viewing, complete I completely got it. Completely. I agree got with it. that completely. I actually agree. I think that about the movie in general, actually. The first time I saw it. I totally understand the four star rating because the first time I saw it, I was definitely a little bit more critical than I probably needed to be. And the second time I watched it, I was, I very much, I, I definitely enjoyed it more the second time than I did the first time. Yeah. No, I think it is, I think it's definitely a film that you need to see more than once. Um, I agree. If you, didn't, if you watched it the first time, weren't quite sure what you thought about it, watch it again because it definitely, um, brings rewards with repeat viewing in my opinion yeah no i agree with that excellent well i'm uh, i haven't asked you about this already but would you like to join me for a discussion in a couple of weeks uh about texas chainsaw massacre yeah i'm your guy yes (laughs) 
done deal. Yeah, I'll definitely. That is a I'll definitely deal. be doing that. Excellent, Excellent man. So, well, yeah, I appreciate you having me on guy. here. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming on and speaking to me. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, you take care, buddy. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for everyone who's come in and had a little listen to our screen review. Obviously, uh, you can message us on social media and let us know what you thought about it because we're quite interested. But thank you very much. And I'll uh, speak to you very soon, matey. Absolutely, man. Take it easy. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Films I Love Most podcast. Don't forget, you can contact us at Film I Love Most podcast at yahoo.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and we look forward to welcoming you back next time here on the Films I Love Most podcast.